In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer does not stop during a global crisis. So on Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AVI, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class inpatient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. So step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on Saturday, June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. It is part two of our 2020 Cowboys fan survey here on The Athletic, and uh, we're really glad you decided to tune in. Kit Garrison here, still producing for yet another edition of About Them Cowboys, and I am joined by the best of the best when it comes to covering all things America's team. From The Athletic, it's Saad Youssef and Father John Mashoda. Hey guys, how are you guys? Doing good. I'm good. Uh, I just had this weekend of my sister's wedding, which has just been uh, nuts. I just got done with that like about five hours ago. So been a, been a good weekend. Excellent, John. You hold, how you holding in there, man? I'm holding, man. I'm doing. I don't know. Same stuff that I've been doing, and uh, I don't know. It's getting pretty boring, but uh, it seems like that sports are slowly creeping back into our lives. Um, working on a couple things, big picture things. Um, but yeah, as far as work goes, it's kind of uh, same old for the uh, off season this time of year. Yeah. I've got a bunch of friends who I've thought about during this sports drought, like, oh gosh, I wonder how, how they're going to get by. You might be the, the one friend who I was most worried about, you know, cause I think you 99% of what you ingest is probably sports of some kind. If I, if I was to guess, right. You know, yeah, so, you're, you're, you're correct. I mean, I it might be 96%, about, like, what is, but it's right there. Yeah. What is John doing today? It's, it's, he already, you know, did the puzzle thing, you know, what, what else is there? <laughs> you know, big bread now, or he's watching yeah. the past five Super Bowls that the Cowboys won. Yeah, you have you done that. Yeah. I've seen, I've, right. I've enjoyed your Twitter and going back and doing some throwback games. That's been, that's been good, but yeah, I'm excited for you for sports to to return as well as for you know everything else. And Kevin KT Turner, the Ben and Skin Show, welcome back, man. All right, thanks. So so glad to be here. I'm on season six of The Office now, so that's a that's how things have been going for me uh, in my home life when I haven't been you know tracking the news and the current events and things like that. So season six, and I'm on season five of my community rewatch as well. So nice. just rewatching shows. And what's interesting is that I'm only on episode three of Space Force, so I haven't really gotten too deep into that yet. But that's that's where things lie in the uh, in the KT apartment with my stuffed bear Barry. It's hard to go wrong. Him with the office, it down. Yeah, it's been good, man. It's been good. I got into a conversation today about a guy who taught, we were comparing The Office and Parks and Rec, and he says The Office is more quotable. I disagree. And I told him what I think about Parks and Rec is that Parks and Rec was a little more consistent all the way through. And obviously, the end of The Office, let's take out seasons eight and nine and just the first seven seasons with Michael Scott. And I still kind of go, you know what? It had more lulls in it than Parks and Rec did. Parks and Rec didn't have many lulls. Uh, and that's not a shot in any show. I'm just saying still Parks and Rec over The Office for me. That's just one guy. Yeah, that's probably the only guy on this podcast. I can uh, I can totally agree with um, with that, KT. I think The Office has higher highs. But you're right. Parks and Rec, let's say every episode, you know you're at least getting a B to a B plus at minimum watching watching Parks and Rec, you know. Uh yeah. you, you you might get some some B minuses, some Cs with the office, you know? You're right. I can I can get down with that. Well, one yeah, John and I are the wrong people to have the this conversation with. I, I I can speak for John when I say that. Yeah, I mean, I I forget Parks and Rec alone. I mean, I just put the office like I'll, I'll put the office up against everything yep. ever. Did you watch community, John? Yeah, a little bit here and there. And I like okay. parks and rec too. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I'm not, I wouldn't, uh, fiercely defend it. Like I would the office. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. Well, time well spent. Okay. KT. 
Sorry, right. man. Well, last <laughs> week we started and we did part one of the survey, the 35-question survey of Cowboys fans, which uh, you know, had some multiple-choice questions. We ended up having a lot of fun discussing that. There's a lot of great topics on there dealing with the current roster, uh, the outlook for the season, the outlook for the future. And I, well, I kind of saw it on, on survey two. You've got some big picture franchise questions and you've got a lot of historical questions as well. So I think it's going to be a little fun to chop this up. Um, we'll start with the, the, where you kind of began, John, on this article on the second part of the survey. If the Cowboys have to win one game to make the playoffs and each of these players are in their prime, who do you want at quarterback? If you thought Dak versus Romo was uh, divisive, well, then throw Don Meredith, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, and Danny White into the mix. So I want to ask you guys first how you would vote that, and then we'll talk about what the uh, community voted for. I'll start with you, John. Who would you have win one game if they had to make the playoffs? The Cowboys are eight and seven. They got to go nine and seven to get in. Who's your quarterback? I mean, I don't think you can go with wrong with Roger or Troy, but I I have always picked Roger. Um, I've I don't know, like I, like I said, you can't go wrong with either one. But Roger Staubach's always been the one, the go to for me. Uh, I think that if he's the quarterback for the '90s Cowboys, I think he wins three Super Bowls just like Troy. Maybe Troy wins the same Super Bowls that Roger did. I can go either way on it, but. Uh, I go with I go with Roger. Yeah, I go with Roger as well, and uh, and and my reasoning is kind of the same, but uh, but a little different in that I just have more confidence in Roger's complete game uh, than Troy, and that's not taking a shot at Troy. Troy's always going to be one of those guys who, like to me, is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, undoubted. Um, I I don't I don't buy any of the skeptics, but. The reality is he did have like a monster offensive line with the greatest running back of all time, uh, maybe one of the greatest fullbacks ever, uh, a fantastic number one receiver, one of the best of all time. And not to say Roger was playing on just like no talent teams, but the fact is that when 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 you're looking at one quarterback and the skill sets that he brings, like, you know, Roger was Captain America, but he was also Roger the Dodger, right? So, like, he can get out there and create a little bit for himself. And uh, and so I think Roger just fits more systems than uh, than maybe Troy would. And, you know, the system that Troy was in, I think he was – he he he's undoubtedly the, one of the greatest of all time in that system and and just as a quarterback in general, especially when it comes to his accuracy. But playmaking, I think Roger's a little bit better. And, you know, I, I think Roger has, has some spell of like Aaron Rodgers in him uh, for me. I, I kind of see it like that. And so, yeah, it, it's a tough one between one those two. I can tell you, I wouldn't take Tony Romo because I, I kind of – We've kind of seen that one play out and, and how that would work. Uh, but with Roger and Troy, it's a close one, but I'll go with Roger. That's where it gets interesting. In the community poll, Roger 42%, Troy 41%. At 15%, though, in third, Romo over Dak. Now, I think that's fair given the experience, I guess, but I just you look at how many times Romo could have won them one game. I just think it's interesting. Uh, kind of backfield, for, and it was Romo. Here, it was though. Romo. <laughs> yeah, know? and that's like, where the, that's where this is. Emmitt Smith wild, or right? Julius Jones back there? I mean, we got you know. Is it all in the quarterback here, or is there, well, is there healthy? No, no. Uh, I don't know. Skill positions are going around. John, what, what's the hypothetical? <laughs> well, the hypothetical is that you can interchange them if you took either any of the player from their prime and put them on one of the other's team would they have the oh, same one of the other team. Si- i got you okay uh, uh, would have the same exact success i i don't know i'd i know that it's become popular on twitter to say that romo's in the same class as like troy and roger i just sorry that's i'm not that guy to agree with you on that i, I think it's kind of wild but well, this is my biggest issue on that is that romo had 289 votes and dak only had 37 like, if they were closer, I get it. Romo edging Dak on that. Romo beating Dak handily. He dominated Dak in this vote, 289 to 37. Part of me wonders if there's a lot of the fan base who is just tired of hearing about the Dak contract and it's making them think less of Dak. That could be part of it. Because I think a lot of people are just rolling their eyes when they hear Dak Prescott wants this money right now. But 289 to 37 is a lot for a guy who proved time in and time out that he had trouble winning the big game. So – that's uh, hey, that's the fun of the survey. That's what we had fun with that. Let's go to uh, uh, one the other next thing question. on the 
one yes, other sir. thing on the Roger versus Troy thing. Uh, I mean, like we're, we can't sit here. I mean, Sada, I, I don't even know if you even remember watching Troy play live. You know, I know you might be too young for that, but like, I don't remember watching. Obviously, I didn't watch Roger Staubach play. I wasn't even alive then. So it's hard to compare, you know, eras other than, you know, if you've watched him play and things like that. And I'm going to defer a little bit to that NFL top 100 list that came out recently that um, it was like a panel of, you know, there's former players on it. There were, you know, Hall of Fame voters. There was, you know, Bill Belichick, I know, was one of the people that were on it. It was the NFL 100 years, all 100 team. And they had 10 quarterbacks on it. And only one Cowboys quarterback was on that, and that was Roger Staubach. And, and uh, look, I also think the rings and, and uh, you know, the accolades will speak for themselves here. But even, you know, kind of what you were talking about with Romo a minute ago, John, you go ask any, like, all these NFL legends, what do you think of Roger Staubach or Troy Aikman as a player? And you're going to get consensus full-on badass. And you go ask that question about Tony Romo, you're going to get a bunch of mixed answers. With a lot of people saying that he's underrated, and there's going to be a lot of people who, you know, give him the criticisms that that he got. I think we all here on the show know Romo is a great quarterback, but, like, that's where I think the difference right there. Staubach and Aikman, pure legends – Hall of Famers, you know, Romo, not that. And there's just that, and that in the end will be, you know, Romo's biggest, um, in, I guess, criticism as a player will be the fact that he didn't get do that and didn't win enough big games. But like, I was thinking, like, when you reference that list too, I think that's very, very interesting. You go ask all these legends how they feel and they'll tell you what they feel about Roger Stomach and Troy. And the answer is probably going to be quite a bit different for, for Romo. Um, Okay, okay, okay. You want to go to number two? Let's go. Michael Irvin. One, but okay. Hold on. Here the question is: Who is the Cowboys' all-time greatest defender? Okay, all-time greatest defender. Uh, Bob Lilly, Chuck Halley, Mel Renfro, Leroy Jordan, Randy White, Cliff Harris, Charles Haley, Deion Sanders. A lot of names on there. Um, and the winner was drum roll, Bob Lilly. Tough for me, man. I didn't see him play. So, uh, although if you <laughs> I feel go, that way about Bob Lilly, Chuck Howley, uh, Mel Renfro, Leroy Jordan, <laughs> Randy White. I mean, I'm pretty I'm Cliff Harris. I mean, uh, I mean, th- like my vivid memories of watching football began in probably. 89, 90, somewhere there. I was about, you know, seven, eight years old. So like 90s Cowboys was right in my wheelhouse. I remember them very well. But anything before that, no. I mean, obviously I knew these guys were legendary and things like that. And it's uh, it's pretty easy to find who the top defenders are in franchise history. You can, if you don't want to do a bunch of uh, stat searching and, uh, and reading a bunch of articles, you can just go off of who's in the ring of honor. And it's pretty much all these guys that are on this list. And so uh, I'd say my one surprise, though, is that 16 percent of the vote coming in fourth place was was Deion Sanders just because, you know, he played five years with the Cowboys. And I know some people, you know, sure. they don't think of him as a cowboy. Uh, obviously, he was excellent uh, with the Cowboys, helped them win a Super Bowl. But uh, uh, I found that kind of interesting that he was fourth in there. Um, but the other ones like Chuck Howley being second and, and Randy White being uh, or sorry, Randy White being second and. Uh, and Chuck Howley being uh, third. That's right. Yeah, third. And then Dion being fourth. Uh, who was fifth? Charles Haley was fifth. So Charles Haley uh, fifth, not a, yeah. Not really a huge surprise there. Um, if Mel Renfro was playing today, which is how bad this Cowboy secondary has been for so long, maybe he ends up winning that category. Or Dion, if he's with this team, too. It just seems so long since they've had like a really dominant player on the back end like that. Yeah, I think I think Bob Lilly, you know, all these guys have like the the legend that comes with them. Obviously, Mr. Cowboy, um, Chuck Howley, the the only guy to ever win a Super Bowl MVP on a losing team and and the first non quarterback as well to, to win that award. And and like just different things like that. Randy White, the legend of, of Randy White is there. And I think. You know, John and I are both in the same boat here where I don't know. I don't remember. I wasn't around for any of these guys to watch them, but I've gone back and, and like John, I've watched a lot of them in, uh, you know, just watched a lot of their tape and stuff. Um, and, and it's tough because every time you hear, you, you talk to people that actually live through it. It's like, you know, when you live through the experience, you understand um, the in the impact beyond the stat sheet and and even beyond because you're you're living through the entire era 
of, uh, you know, of a certain style of football. Whereas, you know, I can go back and watch as much Roger Staubach as I want, but in my mind, I only know a passing era. I don't really know a running <laughs> era. Um, so, you know, I could go back and do that and appreciate everything that he had to offer. Like same thing with a lot of these defenders, but, um, you know, it, it's still, there's still a void there. So it's tough for me to do that. But, you know, if I, I did vote in the survey and I did cast my vote for Randy White. So, you know, that was just the guy that I thought. Yeah. Two things that jumped out for me. And obviously offense is more sexy than defense. But if you look at the just career or the history of the Dallas Cowboys, you will see way more glamorous offensive names than defensive names. Uh, no offense to the Chuck Halleys and Mel Renfro's of the world. No offense at all. But like, it's, that's nothing compared to Emmett and Troy and Drew Pearson and, you know, all these offensive names throughout the history of the team. Number two, Bob Lilly on the Wikipedia page of my hometown, only Texas, it says he's from there. And I don't know if he was born there, but he was never celebrated as being from my hometown of only Texas. Um, he was in Throckmorton, Texas. Um, so me from only, and I know this cause I'm on that Wikipedia page. Uh, just wanted to get that in there, guys. Uh, I skipped one. I'm a jerk. Who is the Cowboys all time greatest pass catcher? Uh, if I were going to ask you guys that, who would you say? I, frankly, I thought it was going to be Michael Irvin. Um, that's who it is for me. But the reason why I put this in there is just to see what other players, you know, kind of got votes and things like that. I just, I knew, I knew that people weren't going to say Bob Hayes cause it's, it's too long ago and, and there's going to be some recency bias there. So I figured that, you know, Daz would get a lot of votes cause people, most people that have, are filling out the survey have seen his entire career. And mm-hmm. uh, so I figured he'd be it. And then same thing with Jason Witten. I mean, people, most people that probably voted on this have seen most of, if not all of his career as a Cowboy. So it's fresh in your mind, you know, but uh, for me, it's, it's Michael Irvin and it's really not that close. No, I don't think it's very close either. I, I think Michael Irvin and then, uh, I, you know, Drew Pearson, I, I think just because of how much you hear about him and the original 88 and everything that comes with that, I, I think that's a big reason why. And plus, I mean, you know, he's he's the recipient of one of the most famous passes of all time. So I think there are certain things that, you know, when your name gets attached to something like that, then you automatically, your status goes up. But you know, with how good Michael Irvin was and, you know, the, the guys that he went against in that, in his era, um, defensive backs, not to say Drew didn't go against, uh, quality defensive backs because he did, but, uh, we've also seen the pass, uh, the, the catch rules change and, uh, and how they've played. And I think the way that defensive backs played Michael Irvin, um, is significantly more challenging than the way that they played Des Bryant, for example. So, um, for me, yeah, it was a no brainer, Michael Irvin. You know, this one was surprising to me right here. Who is the Cowboys' all-time greatest coach? At 67%, Tom Landry. At 33%, Jimmy Johnson. So do A, and that's nearly 2,000 responses there. Is that A, an older audience maybe voting on this poll? Is it B, just the luster of Tom Landry? Uh, How did Tom Landry beat Jimmy Johnson on this? Because, uh, you know, to me, uh, I would have voted Jimmy Johnson on that. Even though I know Tom Landry had a long career, but I remember Tom Landry kind of getting pushed out was partially to do with Jerry buying the team, but also partially to do with a lot of people complaining that Tom Landry maybe coached a few, two, three, four, five years past his time in the league. If you remember those stories, yeah, I I think that the big reason why is that you just one is longevity and just how long he was their coach, just to be the only coach up until Jimmy Johnson for an organization (laughs) in that was founded in 1960 is, is pretty incredible. And then just the fact of just how good they were and how quickly he got them in contention with being among, you know, the greatest teams in football. And so I know a lot of people, the younger people probably think that a big reason why the Cowboys are so popular and famous because of the nineties and, you know, how Jerry Jones as a businessman is, is helped grow the franchise. But the Cowboys were a big deal way before Jerry Jones bought the team. And that's because of Tom Landry and the success that they had for such a long period of time. And so the longevity is what beats it out. If Jimmy would have coached for the Cowboys for like a decade, and obviously if that would have happened, he would have won maybe four or five Super Bowls if they would have kept that team together. If you ask the players on the, on those teams in the nineties, that's what they say. So, um, you know, he won the two and then most people give him credit for the Barry Switzer one as well. But, um, 
I, I figured it was going to be Tom Landry just because of the longevity. And he is kind of like a founding father in the organization. And and just Jimmy Johnson sure. just wasn't here that long. He had a lot of success when he was here, but he just wasn't here anywhere near the, the time that Tom Landry was. Yeah, I, I kind of go with the same thing. I mean, he had like, I think it was 20 straight seasons of winning seasons. So, I mean, Tom Landry, the longevity is the big thing. But also, you know, I... There, there's a lot of different reasons why you hire coaches or, or things like that. And I don't know, like if I was, if I was hiring a coach with a roster ready to win, I think I would take Tom Landry. But if I think I was starting from scratch, I would take Jimmy Johnson. And, and, and I don't know if that's because, you know, just what we saw, what Jimmy did, um, you know, with everything, how he built up from the Herschel Walker trade and used all those picks to, to build that team into what it was because, like like John said, like people forget how bad things got um, in the late '80s. There, like I talk to Nate Newton every now and then, and uh, and and he always, you know, he always reminds me. He always says, like, you guys just think that you know we were all just happy and all you know winning in the early '90s. You forget about how bad things really got in the late '80s and even Troy's first year. Like, I mean, you know that the one in fifteen. That's crazy. Sure. So. I, I think that's the way that you look at these two coaches. If I have a coach coming in to win right now with a roster in place, I'm probably taking Landry. Um, if I'm trying to build up, then I'm probably taking Jimmy. But um, I, I I voted Landry on this one. I guess what got me more than anything is that this result 68% to th- or 67% to 33%. It's just a, a pretty large discrepancy there. Um, now we go to the next one here. Uh, there were 1,922 responses here. Who is the Cowboys' all-time worst coach? Is it Chan Gailey, Dave Campo, Wade Phillips, or Jason Garrett? And your winner on the community poll was Dave Campo at 56%. Of course, we've all had talks with Broadus about that before, and he always feels bad for Dave Campo because he's like, hey, it's my fault. That was in their scout and players, too. He goes, we could scout worth a lick. You know, it's our fault. We gave him a lot of bad teams, but – uh, Campo wins by a large, large margin there for Cowboys all-time worst coach. Um, I don't know about you guys. I always felt bad for Dave Campo. I did always kind of feel like he was put in a, a no-win situation right there. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right, but he's the answer. I, I don't – when I put that out there, I thought for sure he'd win, and maybe even by more than he did. But, um, you know, three straight seasons going 5-11, and 11, all the other guys in there at least coached a team to the playoffs at the very least – and so I don't think there's any question that that's the answer. But, um, you know, part of it is, you know, I throw Jason Garrett's name in there just because of the recency thing. But Jason Garrett's not in the same conversation with Dave Campo. I, I mean, you can say whatever you want. Obviously, it was disappointing that, you know, they didn't get farther than the second round of the playoffs. I, I, I get all that. They never got to the NFC Championship game. I get that. But, like, let's not act like Jason Garrett was the worst coach in, in Cowboys history. And he got a lot of votes. And, um Again, that and it's, you know, there's positives to the recency bias and there's obviously negatives as well to the recency bias. And whatever you do, it's, it seems like it's fresh in everybody's mind. And so you, you got votes because of that. But Jason Garrett doesn't belong in the same conversation as Dave Campo. Right. And, and, and I don't think Garrett is close either. So for me, when it comes down to like Campo and Chan Gailey, then you look at Chan Gailey. I mean, I, I think he was a I, th- I think he was a really quality coach and football mind in general um, from where he was coming from. And then you also look at where where he went, you know, because Dave Campo, after he got fired from the Cowboys, he never landed another head coaching job or anything. Chen Gailey, you know, if you're able to get fired from a team. Um, go become, you know, an offensive coordinator. I think he was a head coach at a college for a little bit there. And then, uh, and then become another, become an OC again, in the NFL, and then work your way back to, uh, another head coaching job with the Buffalo Bills. I think that just in general speaks to, you know, your coaching acumen. And, and I know we're just talking about their, um, their cowboy stints and not generally just, you know, what kind of coach, like how good are they in just an isolated vacuum? But I, I think that just tells you that a lot of the situations that um, that Chan Gailey inherited was was tough for him. He, I mean, he was at the end of that entire uh, entire run of the '90s, so that's a tough position to be in. And uh, and and hey, Dave Campbell was not in an easy position either to be dealing with, um, you know, Troy leaving and and everything that happened there. So um, I think that was tough as well, but. Dave Campo is the easy answer here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the next one here, 
It is which Cowboys team from the last decade was the best? Was it the 2014 team, 12-4, and lost in Green Bay in the Dez Cotton game? The 2016 team, Dak Prescott's first year, they went 13-3, and lost at home to the Packers. Or the 2018 team that went 10-6 and and then lost to the Rams after they got gashed on the ground in L.A. on Saturday night in the divisional round. Which one of those teams was the best to you guys? It probably was 2014, and I know that it's not a surprise that that one got almost 58% of the vote just because, you know, that's the one that a lot of the people that, first of all, if you're pro Romo over Dak, then that's obviously the team that you vote for because he was the quarterback. <laughs> uh, so I know that factors in with people too. Um, you know, cause if you would have said that Romo was a quarterback in 2016, you'd get more votes for 2016 because of that. So, uh, I knew that that was going to be a factor. Um, but then 2014, it just, yeah, that feel all season long, kind of like they caught, you know, lightning in a bottle, Sim- similar to 2016, uh, you know, where you're just kind of like, man, you know, they're getting hot at the right time. They're beating good teams, teams that they haven't typically beat recently. Um, so I go, with, I go with 14, but I think that they're, they're very close. I don't think it's as neat as, as a huge blowout or anything like that, but I think 14 and 16 are, are very close j- just for different ways. Uh, but both those teams, I thought, had a similar ceiling. I don't think one was better than the other. I think the defense in 2016 was a little bit better talent-wise. Um, but, uh, you know, 2014 is the winner for me, for sure. Yeah, I think for me it's 2016. And the reason why is because I think when you look at the uh, th- the way that the season – because I-, I read the question and it said, you know, which Cowboys team from the last decade, just meaning what we saw. Because – I think if you're asking me in general as far as which roster was better, I'd probably go with 2014. In 2016, the Cowboys had the luxury of they had almost zero significant injuries. The only significant injury they had turned into their new franchise quarterback. I mean, other than that, everybody else was relatively healthy throughout the entire year. So if you take you know your, your one big injury as your franchise quarterback and that produces your next franchise quarterback and everybody else is, I think Tyron may, may have missed a game or two here and there, but I, I think for the most part, it was such a healthy team that I, I think just going based off of looking back on them, I would take the 2016 team if it plays out the same way. But if you factor in the entire roster and the depth of things, then I think I would go with 2014. You know, I think the 2014 team was the better team But I think the 2016 team had the best chance to go to the Super Bowl, if that makes sense. Because that Green Bay team, they probably could have carved up for more points than they did. And scoring 31 is nothing to sneeze at. But that was a really bad defense. But they also could have carved up Atlanta. And that's something who they might have run into if they would have beat Green Bay. Because Green Bay goes on and took on Atlanta in the championship game. So, yeah, I think they could have beat the Falcons uh, that year. I think they probably were a better team. 2014... You know, it's a lot of questions how that would have played out going into Seattle. Well, actually, you were, you, yeah, they would have been going into Seattle for that for that NFC Championship game. Um, that, that's a it's a coin toss. It's definitely not the 2018 team. So, um, no no surprise that the 2014 team you know wins there. And I tend to lean that that was the better team, but I still don't think that was the best chance. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, this is the next one here. If Des Bryant, if the Des Bryant catch stands in 2014 at Green Bay, how did the Cowboys finish that season? And if you look at the graph of responses here, it's cut into about four pretty equal pieces uh, when you look at it. I, I've never seen a graph. Look, I've never seen a graph like that. None of the questions in this one, none of the questions in any other survey for any other team that I've looked at before doing this as a template. It was anything even close to this. This was, to me, the most interesting answer of both surveys the first and second part so i guess before i tell you that what do you guys think would have happened des catches it what happens the end of that game and in that that year what happens oh they, well they score a touchdown there the the, the cowboys score a touchdown there but then rogers just comes right back down scores a touchdown and the packers win the game i don't i really i really didn't get the feeling like the best chance the cowboys had to me uh was like everything had to like click for them on offense because as you said like going against that defense they were gonna have to score a lot of points and so i started thinking that the cowboys it might not be their day when murray fumbled um and if he doesn't there maybe everything's completely different um but i just (laughs) 
knowing what we know about Aaron Rodgers, I just find it hard to believe that he wouldn't have went right back down and the Packers wouldn't have scored. Now, maybe the Cowboys get the ball again with a minute to go and maybe they do something. Who knows? But uh, if I would, you know, answering this poll question, I said I would have went with still lose the game. Yeah, me too. I I think they still lose the game, not not only because of what we know about Rodgers, but just what he was doing in that game, especially as the game was heating up. Um, that throw, that touchdown pass that he had on on one leg at the on the left side of the end zone was just like it it, it was lethal. That was that was such a uh, that that was such an amazing throw, and I think. Rodgers just goes back down and he does that. The the one that surprised me here, the response that really surprised me was how many people really thought that the Cowboys would win the Super Bowl with all due (laughs) respect. I mean, with all due respect, even if you get past Seattle, I'm sorry, man, that Patriots team, that they beat the Legion of Boom that beat the Broncos 43 to eight the year before uh, with Tom Brady, um, you know, still very much in the, in his prime prime. And, uh, and and Darrell Revis was on that team. Brandon Browner. I mean, that defense was really good, along with the offense and a healthy Rob Gronkowski. I I I mean, you know, I I it was nice to look at the little pie chart, but I'm shocked that that one got as many votes. And by the way, it lost by like 0.5 percent, <laughs> but but still, yeah. like I can't believe it got that many votes. Yeah, twenty nine and a half percent said win the game, but eventually losing the Super Bowl. So they thought they'd win and beat that Seattle team there. So that's the team that won the, the second place one was win the game, but losing the NFC Championship. The third place finish on that one was win the. Uh, I'm sorry, was it still end up losing that game. The fourth one was win the Super Bowl. I think it's easy to say they would have lost that game. You're, what I go back to is they had a chance to stop the Packers and couldn't do it. You know, kind of the same thing what John was kind of talking about. Like, it's not like the defense uh, just didn't go out and play for the last four minutes of the game. Like, everyone talks about Des caught it and how that was a big th- big thing. It's like, man, you watch the NFL game, when a, sc- when a team scores with four minutes left, you're immediately going, well, they scored too fast. And honestly, when a team scores with two minutes left, you sometimes go, well, they scored too fast. Like, there was four minutes left in that game. It wasn't like it was, you know, time was ticking down. So, I think that's all. All fun to talk about. Next one, what grade would you give Jason Garrett for his time as head coach? Uh, for me, I'll go ahead and tell you when I filled it out, I gave him a C. Just, you know, hey, there was a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ugly, uh, and just not enough to to keep your job. Do you get a C? Do you keep your job? No, you shouldn't, you know, at least in, the, in a billionaire, I mean, in a billion-dollar business like this. You shouldn't. So that was what I gave him. What about you guys? Yeah, I think C, I mean, with you, with it, the options were straight letter grades. There was no plus or minus. But if there were, um, I'd say that the lowest that you should give him is a C minus. I don't even think he should get a D, to be honest with you. And then the highest should be like a B minus. And, but realistically, I'd say a C. And one of the things I'll point out is, okay, I'm totally, don't get me wrong here. Like he definitely didn't deserve to continue having his job. Like moving in in another direction was, was the right move. I'm not saying that he should still be that coach. Please don't get that misunderstood. But he also left the team in, in, I feel a better spot than when he took it over. Um, whether you want to believe in the right kind of guy or not, whatever he helped build a pretty solid roster across the board, you know, was, you know, and even during the week, like I thought he was a really good coach in that aspect. I just didn't think he was a good game day coach. And so we'll see. We'll see what Mike McCarthy does. I think Mike McCarthy's a better game day coach than Jason Garrett. And, you know, obviously a lot of these young players are a year older now. And and so I just, I don't know, like, I feel like if I'm giving him a D or an F, like the team just has to be like in disarray when he, when he like leaves. And if anything, people are expecting them to just build on what they did last year and be even better. And so uh, I, I just think if, if you're just grading him on just coaching as just a coach, I would say, OK, I can understand you giving him a D, D, I guess, there. But he was he had more say than just that. He had a lot of say in what they did on the roster and, and players that were added. And another thing that I think is kind of funny he gets zero credit for is that transition from Romo to Dak. And it's Absolutely. like Dak turned into this franchise quarterback as this late fourth round pick who Jason Garrett went to bat for was a, you know, a, Jason Garrett and, and Scott Linehan wanted Dak badly. And so I just, it's interesting that he doesn't get any credit for that because he obviously helped bring him along the right way. Um, and the Cowboys now have their next franchise quarterback. And so I, I just, Again, it kind of goes back to that previous question about the worst Cowboys coach in franchise history, and that just 
uh, he just he finished second in that vote and he just has no business being second on there. So, uh, again, recency bias. People are fed up. They thought that this team should have went to the Super Bowl. He's had, you know, a decade to get it there and it didn't happen. I understand you're upset. I think when people look back on it, I think that they'll be most people at least give it a C. Yeah, and I think one one part of the job description that that uh, in addition to everything John did mention is, you know, you have to balance a lot of crap when you're the head coach of the Cowboys, and one of them is Jerry Jones. Like for for point. Jason to for Jason to stand there and, and be okay with Jerry, you know, attracting the entire media outside the locker room after every single game, which trust me, we're very thankful for. But <laughs> um, but you know, for for him to be okay with that, for him to be okay with uh, you know, Jason is a guy that that constantly preached bringing in the right kind of guys and then you bring in a greg hardy and then you bring in a so-and-so and and jason just being able to take that even if he's not on board with it and still keep the ship afloat like he's still you know things were still functioning and like john said the the pressure is on mccarthy to win now because of how jason left this team but there was a lot of stuff that went into this um, and going going back to so many issues, whether it's on the field or off the field, in how and how much of a say Jerry has had in building this team. So everything that John said, I echo that. But then I also add in the fact that you know you 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 weather Jerry Jones and the influence that he has and the strong the stranglehold that he has on this franchise and how things are run. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for that because. Uh, it, that that is a very tough job to do, and so that's that's a big reason why I also gave him a C. Hey, when you mention uh, Greg Hardy, uh, one other player I want to mention is that I will never forget that draft day when they took Randy Gregory in the second round, and that oh draft gosh, cam was on face. the entire time, and Jason Garrett looked sick like he looked physically ill like that he was being talked into like no this is going to be great we're going to do this blah 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 blah. and i had asked jason garrett about that after this is like a year or two after he's like no 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 i mean i was on board with randy whatever and i'm just kind of like yeah the video doesn't look that way like he looks (laughs) like he's like i can't believe we're going to do this right now we've just built this organization the right way we're doing everything right and now we're going to do this like and obviously, if Randy Gregory plays, does he have any off the issue, off the field issues, anything like that? He sure. might turn into one of the better pass rushers in the league. But obviously, everybody knew going in to that draft the type of red flags that were there with Randy Gregory. That's why he was still there late in the second round. Um, but that's one other player that I think I feel like has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle because Greg Hardy's always the go-to that people always bring up when they talk about the guys that like, oh, you know, there's just the one guy that you know that that. Jason didn't want whatever. I don't know that Jason was all on board with Randy Gregory either. He absolutely wasn't. You could see it. You know who was, though, was the defensive coaches. Because <laughs> I remember being at Valley Ranch that night doing the draft and kind of being in that back area where you could sometimes run it, run past the coaches' offices. Those were the seeing, days. <laughs> yeah, you know, God, those were the days. And seeing the secondary coach at the time uh, running down the hall yelling, it's going down! <laughs> yelling before the pick was even in. Like, they were they were pumped. The defensive coaches were. And it's kind of, you kind of had a lot of access to those defensive coaches on that side of the building uh, back in the good days, back when Valley Ranch was around. No fits to the star. Next on the survey, why do you believe it's almost been 25 years since the Cowboys last played in the Super Bowl? Now, this was a write-in vote, and I like that you did that, John. Just over a thousand responses. And, of course, the number one answer was Jerry Jones. The number two answer, if we were playing Family Feud, would be poor coaching. <laughs> number three, poor front office decisions. Number four, bad luck. Number five, <laughs> poor defensive play. Number six, injuries. Number seven, parody in the NFL. Number eight, a lack of accountability. That's a pretty good write-in vote. Number nine, entitled players. <laughs> number 10, too many distractions. Number 11, the referees. Number twelve, a lack of talent. Number thirteen, Aaron Rodgers. Those are all <laughs> that one made me responses. Laugh. Uh, um, so yeah, Jerry's going to take the brunt of the blame on this, and and I think you know I think Jerry would accept the blame on that too, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, for Maybe. absolutely. And uh, <laughs> I got to ask Sad about this guy. I know he's done one of these before. Okay, so this is the first time I did one of these polls. Okay, and all of my you know the the questions that were multiple choice were fine. But these write-in answers, like it takes forever to like kind of break them down, and especially in a write-in response where you know 
like I, I okay, I have Jerry Jones at 527 votes. Okay, like that's not 527 people writing Jerry Jones. Then that's 520. Out of 527, I'd say 450 also had like a, an explanation that went with it. So I in the article, I have three or four of what I thought were the best examples of why. But like it took a it took a long time to go through all of these. And I know Saad, you did you did some I believe for the Mavericks as well. But uh, yeah, it was interesting adding all that up. Yeah, I did it. I know. Actually, I did it for the stars and we had the, uh, we also had the write-in ones. It was like, well, who's going to be the next captain and stuff. And the thing is, 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 you know, some people write Jerry Jones, some people write Jerry, some people write JJ. Right. Um, and so you have to go through and like tally all that up. Uh, one thing I will say though is if you look at the top three, uh, top three vote getters there, Jerry Jones, poor coaching and poor front office decisions. That's really all Jerry Jones. Yeah, I mean, for sure. In, in a way, <laughs> he he is the front office. He is the one that hired the coach. I mean, Bob Sturm had an entire Jason Garrett week where essentially the conclusion and the theme of the entire week was that Jason Garrett's failure was also on Jerry Jones. So if you're really looking at this entire response, Jerry is well, well beyond in first place because everything there from from first to third place, the, the top three vote getters, they all boil down to Jerry Jones. Yeah, and, and it's it is funny that we only talk about like, oh, well, Stevens getting more control of the organization and all those conversations that always happen of that involve Jerry having less control. It's all, all you know, going back to the timeline. Let's go. Like, oh, well, this is when this team started to draft better, and this is when this team started finally making sound financial decisions and not putting themselves behind the eight ball. Like there's there's a lot of things that go with it, and I think you know some of that is just Jerry realizing, hey man, maybe I, I'm not too I'm not as good as this, and even though he would never admit that probably, uh, as egos are often out of control when you're in the world of a billionaire. I mean, if you're Jerry Jones, you're going, I won, I won everything. Look at all this money I have. So anyone who's like thinks Jerry's some loser, that ain't true. Jerry's a winner in life, but it is it is just very obvious and true. When the turnaround of this franchise started in terms of being consistent winners, and they are consistently a winning team over the last decade, we can say that, right? For, for the most part, consistently a winning team. Well, that just wasn't the case from 2000 to 2010. You can run into a lot of different scenarios with with this team. You know, take away Romo getting hurt a couple times, and this team probably has a winning record, you know, seven or eight of its, you know, 10 years in the last decade. And that it times up perfectly with just little discussions about, you know, will Will McClay getting promoted and Jerry having less control than he ever had over personnel. So that's the guy. That's the problem right there in terms of taking that step forward. It is Jerry. Now, we'll see if, uh, you know, well, I guess here, it leads to the next question. What grade would you give Jerry the GM? Um, he got very few votes for an A. Um, the winner of it was C at 39%. Second place was 33% for a B. Uh, Jerry, the GM guys, what would you grade him out as A, B, C, D, or F? Yeah, I, I would say C is, is probably the right answer there. I mean, I could easily see people that if you don't remember the nineties Cowboys, then I could see you giving him a D and even or an F just because of the fact that really what has happened since then. And, and there's people that won't even give him credit for that. Cause they, you know, give all the credit for those three Super Bowls to Jimmy Johnson, but um, you know, winning Super Bowls, even though he, I mean, he technically was the general manager that's, you know, that helped him get into the hall of fame. So um, I, I would give him a C, but really the thing that surprised me the most out of this is that if you add up a and B, you're looking at roughly like 37, 38% of people gave him an A or B as GM. That really was the most surprising thing out of that answer. Yeah, I think that I looked at that too, and I and I, w- I didn't add them up, but I was surprised at how many Bs that he did get. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if you win just like a couple of playoff games, how how does that really qualify you? You know, it, lately, I know he has the three Super Bowls, and I, and I don't know how much how much longer that wait continues. Like how, how much longer do we keep factoring that in until, uh, and until, you know, you have to be accountable for what happens lately. And so I think, you know, it's tough. Maybe a B is something that, you know, I would give Jerry, like if his career was over or something like that, but, um, and I'm not just playing recency bias, but I do think that as a GM, because we, we talk about, you know, um, about the nineties and winning the Super Bowls. I would say it's uh, 
and and bear with me and correct me if if I'm just totally off base on this, but he, his GM, the way that he was a GM in the '90s, was was kind of like Jerry Krause for the Bulls. What we saw at the Last Dance, right? Like he he was a he, he was a good GM in the sense that he brought in Jimmy Johnson, and that was a great move. And and you know that that's a guy they knew from before and every and that he knew from before and everything. And sure, I mean he deserves credit for those three Super Bowl rings, but he also deserves credit for not winning more. And I think that ultimately falls on Jerry Jones. Uh, the only part I would disagree on is is the Jerry is the Jerry Krause part because I thought Jerry Krause had a way more I- bigger impact on those Bulls teams than Jerry Jones. If we're just talking about personnel GMs, like at least yeah. Jerry Krause is going to get the credit for the drafting of of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and doing some of those moves. I mean, going out on a limb and getting Tony Kukoc when there weren't a lot of people that were bringing in European players like that, being the guy that hired Phil Jackson. Um, so even that stuff, I give him more credit. And really, to, you know, thinking about Jerry as a GM. Even if you would have said that he had his hands in every one of these moves that ended up being a success, every single one, you know, Charles Haley, Deion Sanders, building the offensive line, Troy Aikman, Emmett, everything. If it was all Jerry's decision and he was the reason why, he still gets fired by, I don't know, I don't even think he gets to those Campo years. If he's the GM, not the owner of the team, like he would clearly not still be the GM now, like that they wouldn't stick with a guy this long. Those three Super Bowls wouldn't buy you this much time. So he's clearly in a great situation because of being the owner that he's not going to fire himself. And so it's always going to be like this. But no, I will disagree on the Krause thing because I do think that as a personnel man, he had more uh, impact on those 90s Bulls championship teams than, than Jerry had on the 90s Cowboys winning Super Bowls. Before we move on, KT, with the next question, I want to tell our listener about Hydrant again. You know you've heard me talk about Hydrant on the show before. I just want to continue to tell you how awesome Hydrant has been for me. You know, a lot of these weekends, maybe on a Friday night, for example, might have a little too much to drink on the Friday night. I wake up Saturday morning. I want to feel refreshed. I want to feel energized, but... Coffee doesn't necessarily do the trick. Well, Hydrant has done all the tricks that I could ask for. You know, some people out there, you're just looking for another pick-me-up in the morning that's not Red Bull. Did you know that 75% of us walking around every day, guys, are chronically dehydrated? Bet you did not know that. Well, Hydrant can help that. If you want to kick that coffee habit, you're worried about your energy levels, check out Hydrant. What they do is they create flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water. Each one has four essential electrolytes that your body needs. And what plants crave. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And it tastes great. It's not uh, too flavorful like some of those other mix-in powders you might buy that are full of sugar. Just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of healthy ingredients. And the formula is vegan, so you can choose between five different flavors or a variety pack. Um, my supply is honestly running pretty low, so I'm gonna have to re-up on some hydrant here pretty soon. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to drinkhydrant.com slash cowboys, and I'm going to get 25% off if it was my first order. And since it's not, I don't get the 25% off, but you can take advantage of that 25% off your first order at drinkhydrant.com slash cowboys. So drink some hydrant, stay hydrated and feel good all day. Back to you, KT. The next question grades for Jerry as the owner. Obviously, he gets an A for that, 61%. New stadium, biggest brand in sports, the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry, the owner, getting a good grade here. Now, the next question, who is most responsible for the Cowboys' three Super Bowl wins in the 90s, Jerry Jones or Jimmy Johnson? And this is another Pac-Man-style graph right here on this one, as it's 94% Jimmy Johnson, and it's eating the 6% that's Jerry Jones. No one gives Jerry any credit for those Super Bowls. And that's kind of what we were just talking about. You know what? I I kind of wonder if that was because we've had such a, a large sample size and such a long time to look back on it. And it just every year that they don't get close to winning another Super Bowl, it become more clear that how big of an impact Jimmy Johnson was. I kind of wonder what it was like in like, I don't know, like the mid nineties, like, after you know Barry Spitzer won that Super Bowl, and maybe even a few years after that, I wonder if it was the same feeling. I'm sure people still felt, you know, hey, Jimmy's the one that built the team or whatever. But there's just no way that I think that the feeling is as is as strong as it is now. And that just because every year that goes by, you're just like, oh yeah, no, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't build those teams in the '90s. Jimmy Johnson must have been the one that, yeah. that had a say in that. Even if you didn't follow them in the '90s, and you just look at their record by year and how long it's been since they've gotten back to something like that, it just it further, I feel like, cements that 
Yeah, Jimmy deserves the majority of the credit on that. Okay, but let me play devil's advocate here because I I, I also do. voted. I also I also voted Jimmy. But let me ask you this: the question is phrased, "Who is most responsible for the Cowboys' three Super Bowl wins in the 1990s?" And it's Jimmy Johnson. Well, who brought in Jimmy Johnson? Who pulled the plug on the legendary Tom Landry, and uh, which was not a popular decision at the time, and uh, and decided to bring in this coach? Um, that I'm mean, not that he was like some off the street, just no, uh, nobody, but but still, he brought in Jimmy Johnson. So it's kind of like, yeah. is, is it not a little bit of a chicken and egg argument? Like which came first? Sure because. Is. Jerry came first. Jerry hired Jimmy. Jimmy was uh, Jimmy was the architect of the Super Bowl rings. But does Jerry not get credit for hiring Jimmy? Then does that not make him responsible for the Super Bowl wins in the nineties? Oh, it make no. He's no, he's right. got no. response. He's got some responsibility, but I don't think that he's the most responsible. That's I get the only. That's the only yeah. way to answer that. Gonna skip one here. Going to this one right here. How would you rate the AT and T Stadium game day experience on a scale of one to five? Five being the best. One being the worst. How would you guys rate the AT&T Stadium game day experience? So I still got about five more stadiums now left in the league that I haven't been to. Um, but I've been to all the newer stadiums, you know, like uh, Minnesota. Um, trying to think what other ones would people put up there like that. Atlanta, um, Seattle, and then and then the older ones like Green Bay, you know, that, that people might look for that more nostalgia. Um I would give it a four and I have no problem if somebody gave it a five, um, AT&T stadium, like there's a lot going on. It's obviously, it's expensive to go there. We know all that stuff, but in terms of once you're inside the building, um, I think, I think it's as good of an, uh, a structure, a good of an environment as you can really have. Now, I guess when I say environment, I don't mean the, for all the Cowboys fans that want the hardcore, you know, home, home field advantage, like you might get in green Bay or Pittsburgh and something like that. But you're just not going to have that with the Cowboys being America's team and having a big venue like that. It's just become, you know, the it thing. Like if 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 your team plays at AT and T Stadium and you're going to go to one road game that year, you're going to that game. And so it doesn't have the crazy home field advantage that I know some Cowboys fans or a lot of Cowboys fans would like. But in terms of the overall presentation and just you know how how nice the venue is and comfortable things like that. I mean, I would put AT and T Stadium up with with any stadium I've been to. Yeah, I think I would too. And and they also keep, you know, be, being innovative and stuff. Like we saw that thing last year with like, you know, you're like taking a selfie with the players or taking a picture with the players or something like that. And, and it's little things like that in the concourse that, you know, if, uh, that if, you know, it, it you know, when fans look at that, those are the little things that when you pay big money for an NFL game that you could watch on TV, you want to have those little perks. And so, um, I'm with look. I, I have not been to nearly the amount of stadiums that John has. I've only been to you know the the two the Eagles and the Giants, and then and and the Patriots, and then the Cowboys, obviously. So um, those you know, I think the Cowboys are measure up at least, if not, are better than all of those. Yeah, I would have answered that with a four, and it's it's a little different. Like you you have a little room at five for for your top places. Your Lambeau Field, your Arrowhead Stadiums, you know, those places that are just like elite level places. And that's where I have the Cowboys at four. I, I will say this. If it's a 325 game, I have them as a two. So uh, because of the sun. So that's uh, I do change it based on the time of day. But they're really great. Night game, it doesn't matter if the, the roof is open or closed. And then you throw about everything that happens as the game goes on. I, I just uh, I, I do think it's a really good experience. So. Um, and the poll, it was a four was first place at 34%. At second place, by 0.4% less was a five. So you know, it seems like fans think pretty uh, favorably of going. Uh, and then the, the question was thrown out, what do you like most and least about attending the games? Number one, game day atmosphere experience. Uh, the big screen was number two and the amenities number three. This is what people didn't like the most. Of course, the high prices for tickets, parking, concessions. Uh, and the number two thing that fans didn't like, not enough of a home field advantage. Cowboys not into the game enough. And that's the thing that, you know, I noticed that and I know baseball is losing traction, losing fans by the minute, it seems. And the one thing I will say, can, that that complaint, and we've seen AT&T Stadium get loud at times, but that complaint has been true over the years as well. And you do kind of see that, and I do think there's a correlation 
between high price seats being closer to the field action. I'll never forget going to a game at the new Yankee Stadium and hearing all the locals talk about how it's so different than the old Yankee Stadium when anyone could get good seats. Now at the new Yankee Stadium, it's shareholders and you know season ticket holders and all that people who are really close uh, to the action. And those people maybe don't have that diehard, you know, appeal or that diehard go get it, you know, attitude as a fan. Um, it's more of a comfortable uh, seating arrangement closer to the field. And that's where I do think there is a correlation between the new Yankee Stadium and AT&T Stadium. So uh, there are some fans who are, you know, disagree with home field advantage. And I, I'm with you, man. It's, it hasn't always proven to be a great home field. But I, I do think over the last few years we have seen it. Get a little louder, get a little, be a little, a little bit of a difference maker at times. Yeah, and again, going through this thing, you know, with so many different possibilities and a right and answer like this, because I didn't want to put it multiple choice and try and steer anybody in, in, a, in a certain direction on something, because I felt it was going to be such a broad thing, and and there is a significant drop off between you know the high the the ticket prices, the prices for concessions, parking, and all that. We're talking, that's 227 votes for that. So it was clearly the number one. When you get to the not enough home field advantage, that's only 66 votes. And then 60 votes uh, in third is parking and, and like the parking lot locations, you know, the price of cost of parking, just the way everything's located. And then at 45 votes was like traffic, uh, lack of public transportation in the Arlington area, things like that. Um, but by far, the most interesting thing I found out of this was how many people voted for the big screen. 73 saying that it's one of the things that they like the most, but then another 20 saying that it's the thing that they like the least because it's too distracting. And then my favorite part of it was that there were six individuals that listed it as both their favorite and least favorite thing. Like, I don't understand how you love the big screen, but then you also hate it. Like, if there was one vote or maybe even two for that, I would have been like, ah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like the, that previous writing question where it was Aaron Rodgers being the responsibility for, you know, the Cowboys not winning a Super Bowl in, in 25 years or whatever, 29. What, what is it now? 25? Is that 25? I think it's 25. Yeah. 20, 24, 20, 25. 25, sorry. yeah. Um, but I just thought it was funny that, like, I think of the big screen as being a huge attraction and – um, one of the reasons why I say it is because like just spur of the moment, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to this eight, I'm going to go to this big 12, you know, championship game. Cause it was, uh, Texas and OU, uh, at AT&T Stadium. And I literally bought a ticket that day. I think I paid like hundred bucks and it was in the, uh, it was the only time I've sat in the high up in the upper bowl, you know? And having that TV there was amazing because you're so high up there. It, you know, you can obviously see the field, you know what's going on, but then to have that big screen right in front of you, that's like every replay, every like, you know, you know, disputed call, tough play highlight, like it's just right there in front of your face. So I would certainly list it as, as a positive about it, but there are some people that love it and also hate it. Uh, okay. Now a couple more questions. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the radio one due to conflict of interest. We don't want to get into that too much. Although I do think that was, no, go ahead. Say something very... about KT. Give your well, thoughts. <laughs> I will say this as you wrote the thing you wrote, this is what you wrote, right? You said fans are pretty split on their favorite local radio station for Cowboys coverage. In parentheses, there also might have been some promotion of the survey by one of the local stations that could have impacted these results. <laughs> and I just want to tell you, it was more than one station promoting it. I was going to say it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> I can tell you that I heard it on three stations. So, Really? I, okay. what I know. <laughs> interesting. Yes. I can probably Before, tell you which one you didn't hear it on. <laughs> We're getting in bad territory <laughs> right now. And we go to TV station. Um, I thought this was interesting. Yeah, I did too. So, Okay, so in fourth place, NBC5 at 11%. In third place, Channel 8 at 17%. Uh, in second place, CBS11 at 19%. And in first place, with over half the votes was Fox 4. So two things came to mind. Fox 4 does appeal to the western side of the Metroplex. Um, obviously you can get it anywhere in the Metroplex, but they do kind of appeal to the Fort Worth side of the Metroplex. But for them to get over 50% of the coverage or over 50% of the vote was a little shocking to me. I thought it would be a lot tighter than that. Maybe there was some promoting going on by them as well. No. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be close to kind of a, you know, quarter, 
each one split, you know, 25% each. And, uh, for them to get 52, like, man, I would, yeah, that really surprised me. I, I mean, I love Mike Ducey and the guys at Fox four. I just didn't know that it was going to get that much. I didn't know they were going to dominate quite like that. Yeah. And I, I think I, they do and, well you know, in ratings. I was, uh, I was also surprised to see WFA checking in like third. I mean, I, I guess Dale Hansen, you know, holds, holds a lot of weight as far as just longevity and, and his voice, we see him, you know, going viral every now and then on Twitter. So, um, you know, I thought that would be a little bit more, but, um, but yeah, to, you know, I, I thought that this was going to be one of those, uh, very evenly split, uh, charts. I, I thought this was one that everybody has their own taste and personality because all four of those, uh, TV stations all have good, good personalities that, that, you know, attract a different kind of person. And so, um, it was surprising to see that, but hey, I love Ducey, so good for him. Well, you know, and I'll say this too, uh, just under 1,500 responses. I think a more of a demographical breakdown would help you. I've always associated Fox 4 with the Tarrant County side of town. I've always associated Channel 8 with more of a Dallas type of vibe. And, you know, Channel 5 and 11, who I give plenty of my time to as well. So we have a lot of good good sports people doing TV, the, the Pat Donies of the world and uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, Dell, of course, and Ducey and Sam Gannon and, you know, Bill Jones. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good people doing things uh, in the TV side of the world. So uh, I think, you know, Fox 4 does kind of they've kind of taken sports out of the main sports cast, but added things like free for all and things like that were kind of an extra show where they can kind of harness in on sports. So they have while taking sports out of the main newscast, put pumped in more sports content to the channel. So, uh, but I thought it was just a, just amazing that there was that big of a disparity between, uh, between all four stations. And then lastly, what is your favorite type of Cowboys content to read? Um, number, uh, coming in in fifth place was stat breakdowns and fourth place was roster breakdowns, free agency, mock drafts. Third place was columns. Second place was film breakdowns. And in first place was feature stories at 28%, but all pretty close. You know, no, no one of those categories got over thirty percent. I think everyone kind of likes, kind of likes everything the athletics pumping out, guys. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, you know, that's one of those I try and throw in there. I've noticed that others did the same in theirs, just to kind of get a little bit of a feel from the fans about what they want. Uh, you know, if there would have been something on here that would have, you know, won <laughs> like in, by one of those Fox Four margins over there, I certainly would be doing a lot more of it. But it certainly seems like they want a little bit of everything, and that's good because I think that you know we do a good, pretty good job at least of of providing a variety of things. Um, the the one thing that kind of sucks right now is that uh, we haven't been doing as many film breakdowns because. Uh, we're not allowed to have the NFL videos on uh, our site right now. And so I know people are at the company are working through that. Um, but I know that that's a huge thing. It's a huge part of the athletic. I remember when the athletics started, that was one of the things that uh, everyone kind of knew that, Hey, if you want to look at film breakdowns, you go to the athletic, those guys, you know, write in depth and break down all kinds of, you know, not just highlights, but you know, why plays went wrong and things like that. And so uh, it did not surprise me that that was on there as well as the other items as well. So, uh, but that was interesting though, uh, for my own personal, uh, reasons, if not for anybody else. Yeah. And I, I also like, you know, I, I credit a lot of that to, uh, you know, John and John and Bob really compliment each other. Well, and I, I, I pitch in wherever I can and, uh, and, and things like that. But I think, you know, the, the variety of just like, you know, the skill that we have and the, and what kind of content each person likes to do. I think it fits very well with, uh, especially Bob complimenting, um, you know, both of us really, and, and all three of us in some ways, but, you know, obviously the majority of the Cowboys beat is John and Bob. And, and I think, you know, they, they do a phenomenal job with that. All right. So that's part two of the poll. And I look at it and I say, we're recording this on June 7th on Sunday night. And he's kind of sitting here and you look at everything and go, okay, well, they had the news last week that there's no training camp in California. So training camp's going to be in Frisco. Um, and we're kind of just watching the Dak Prescott timeline right now. There's still a few free agencies, uh, you know, free agents who are out there who could be of intrigue. But overall, it is kind of a quiet time of the uh, NFL season. So I'm, I'm glad that survey was there because that was a lot of fun to, to chop up all these Cowboys related issues. Um, is there anything you guys want to promote or get out there uh, before we uh, before we get out of here and uh, and and then we'll you know obviously we'll be back next week with another episode. Yeah, so tomorrow I'm going to have up on Monday uh, when this airs. 
I'm writing about basically 10, 10 of the players on the team that really need to step their game up from last year. Just, you know, guys that maybe were good players last year, but they need to be even better in 2020 for the Cowboys if they really are going to take this next step and, and make a playoff run. And so at first I was going to make it five players. Then I started going through the roster a second time. I was like, you know what? I probably can make this into 10. And so uh, I know that there'll be at least a handful of guys on there that people are expecting, but there, I think there's going to be a few on there too that might surprise some people. All right. All right. Well, um, guys, I appreciate the time. Thanks for hanging out. We'll, uh, we'll do this again next week. Obviously if anything breaks, uh, Cowboys wise, we are all over it and we'll be here with you. We'll have an emergency podcast, uh, for sure throughout the week. So everyone stay cool. Take advantage of this cold front that's coming in where I believe the highs are going to be in the upper nineties all week. So everyone just really take advantage of that. Make sure you have free on in your air conditioners, um, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for the great Saad Yusuf. For Father John Mashoda, who's not a father at all, ironically, <laughs> I'm Kevin K.T. Turner, and we'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs>